It's Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Washington, D.C., Well, today uh, we just had the opportunity, Josh and I, to be again in Washington, D.C. And one of the meetings that we were able even to have yesterday was a meeting with the Heritage Foundation. And one of the things that we were able to talk to the Heritage Foundation about was religious freedom and the ability for faith-based providers to continue to be able to provide services uh, with their faith uh, as a a mainstay of their services. And so we want to protect the right of of faith-based counseling agencies, child placing agencies, orphan care agencies to speak the name of the gospel in in part of their services. And one of the ways that we see the gospel continuing to impact families and children, again, is through Families Count. And so today we continue our series of, of churches that have gotten engaged with Families Count to really just encourage you to speak out, to do something. And maybe, maybe as you're listening to these podcasts, you would say, I want to implement Families Count in my own church. Well, please get in touch with Lifeline. Uh, email us at info at lifelinechild.org. Or maybe you listen to these podcasts and you want to get engaged in some other way with Lifeline, please visit our website at lifelinechild.org to see how you can get engaged and get involved with the movement. Well, today, Dr. Rick sits down with Jay and Tanya Fulkrod, and Jay and Tanya are members of Christ Church in Austin, Texas. They have four biological daughters, and they have been involved with Families Count for three years, and they are really a good part of the reason why Lifeline's Family Count was able to go to Austin, Texas, one, by getting their church engaged, but then two, their church has been able to recruit several churches in the Austin area, and they've just done a great job collaborating and bringing these churches together uh, on behalf of families and children in Austin, Texas. And so we're grateful to have Dr. Rick sit down with Jay and Tanya. So we're here today with Jay and Tanya Fulcrot. Uh, They're from Austin, Texas. Um, they are dear friends of ours, our ministry, and, uh, and, and just really valued partners um, in a ministry we call Families Count. If you've not heard of Families Count before, uh, Families Count is a ministry that, that mobilizes the church to engage families who have either have lost their children into state care or in danger of losing their kids into state care. And, and so just really comes from a conviction of really wanting to make the, the gospel known and to bring the gospel to bear into the lives of at-risk families. Um, and, and with much of the emphasis of the church being on children, that are in the system. Um, we just really believe that that there's a, a need to focus on parents as well, um, and that part of our kind of our Second Corinthians five responsibility in in living out the ministry of reconciliation is to to bring the gospel to bear in these families and to see um, Jesus put together what is broken for His glory and, and for their good. And so, Jay and Tanya, thank you for um, for joining us today. Thank and you for having us. We're just excited to have you here in Birmingham and and get to spend some time. With you for a few days. So, first of all, why don't you why don't you tell our tell the folks that are listening just um, a little bit about you, who you are? Uh, thanks, Rick. Uh, I'm Jay Fulcrod. My wife Tanya is sitting here with me. Um, Tanya and I are uh, we've been married for 22 years. We live in Austin, Texas. We attend a church there, uh, uh, Christ Church Anglican Church. We have four teenage daughters, um, and uh, you know that keeps us very busy. Um, we uh, probably 
four or five years ago. Uh, well, let's even work back a little further than that. When we moved to Austin and first started attending Christ Church, uh, we had never really thought about adopting or fostering, but we're around a lot of families at our church who had done that, and it kind of sparked a question and a thought in our mind, is this something for us? Um, and so we kind of went through the process over several years of considering that, the potential of possibly adopting, and that kind of then morphed into, well, maybe we should foster. Um, and we jumped in at some point, probably, what, five years ago, and said, we're going to go ahead, we're going to get trained, we're going to foster. And uh, so we did that, and we fostered uh, children twice. And in the process of doing that, not only did we fall in love with the foster kids that we had, but we had the opportunity to get to know the parents, uh, the moms in the in both cases. Well, the mom in one case, the mom and the dad in another case of the uh, foster children that, that we were uh, blessed to keep. And we fell in love with the parents as well. And just uh, through that process realized, you know what? You know, this is a beautiful thing to, to foster kids. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a gospel experience there's something about it. You just jump into it, and you are living the gospel and experiencing it in a different way than you ever have before as you foster. And we said, you know, that that's beautiful, but, you know, man, are there ways that we could somehow also um, have more impact on the biological families? Because, um, you know, orphan care is great. It's commanded in, in scriptures. Um, but what isn't the ultimate form of orphan care to help the orphan not ever have to be an orphan? Absolutely, um, yeah. And so so we, we wanted to really, you know, that as we did the fostering, we also kind of had that seed planted in our heart to somehow do more with, with the families, but we didn't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And then um, we took a break from fostering for a bit, and, you know, that other seed was also just kind of there dormant until uh, a friend of ours, um, who uh, had moved to Austin from Mountain Home, Arkansas, where Families Count was already in operation, said, hey, a friend of mine just dropped this curriculum in my lap. I think you should look at it because it's got your name written all over it. And uh, so we got a copy of Families Count, read it through, said, yeah, we agree this has our name written all over it. We'd love to to teach these parenting classes to uh, to the parents of the children who are uh, in the foster system. And so that's really kind of how we got got involved. Do you want to say any more, sweetheart? It's been a huge blessing to our family and to our marriage. And, um, and like Jay said, it has um, just put um, the gospel in a new light for us. Um, we... Um, like Jay was saying earlier, we initially went into foster care um, kind of uncertain as to what our role was. Um, at first we wanted to adopt, but um, we started the training and classes and quickly discovered that we wanted to foster. And then um, driving home one day from the training, um, well, actually, we, we went from adoption to foster to adopt, and then one night we were driving home from a training class, and we looked at each other, and we realized we wanted to be a middle family for these, mm -hmm. for these kids. And, um, and so um, that was our initial um, 
journey to, to fostering and being involved in foster care and orphan care. Um, and it's been beautiful to see how God has used that, used that to start the journey and it's evolved into this um, caring for the birth families, which I think was always at the core of our heart. And, um, you know, having four children, having um, a big family and family being a big part of what we do day in and day out. Um, we've worked really hard um, with our girls. Um, a lot of our time is spent with our girls and, and loving them and teaching them and shepherding them. And, and so we know the value and importance of being a family and working hard, at, um, loving one another and being reconciled to one another and forgiving one another. And, um, and so we wanted to I'll add a lot of the challenges that go with that too. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we've had ups and downs in our family, different uh, challenges that we've faced through the years, and uh, you know, even personally struggle with our own, uh, you know, our own addictions. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I've uh, read a book recently that um, asserts that we probably all have probably ten to twenty things we're addicted to. Um, <laughs> So we just bring, you know, that, that experience parenting through a lot of ups and downs and our own personal challenges with that. And too, um, we think the heart and the, um, the emphasis of the, the teaching, teaching and mentoring uh, of families count. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we've, um, that we've seen over the course of, um, you know, God growing this ministry and, and really kind of bringing it into its fullness is the uh, over and over. Um, I know we've seen it in our church as we've, you know, as we've continued to, to do families count is the, these, these parents that come to us, these families, they're not, they're not different than we are. Mm-hmm. Right. They're they're but they're, but they are different in the fact that that many times they they just they've lacked the support systems they've lacked the training they've lacked the you know the experience the kind of things you guys are talking about that yeah. you're you're investing in your girls and so as as they hit those rough patches and those struggles in life um, they they don't they don't have anywhere to go they don't have any any anyone to fall back on necessarily mm-hmm. um, and and they're not looking at life through you know through a gospel lens and. So even as we've even as we've talked to people at at the state level and at the local level um, in child protective services about the the opportunity for the church to step in and do this, it's been amazing that um, we really met very little resistance. And and I think I think part of that is that that people while they may not believe the gospel while they may not be followers of Jesus they do see the value in in the community of the church and in the in the stability of the community of the church coming around these families and and so um, it's it's been kind of a you know kind of a neat journey to how we've how we've gotten there and every story of the way that you know the things that things have started um, and so um, we, we talked to the Davidsons earlier, um, and, and they've been on an episode of the podcast here from Mountain Home, and then Mountain Home kind of in a in a you know in a in a, in a great way seeded what's happening in Austin. Mm-hmm. And so, tell us a little bit about just as you began. Um, obviously, you you know you got training, you got you know you got started. Um, Tracy Newell and and the folks here and, and others um, the you have poured into and mm-hmm. and kind of helped you guys to start and to know where to go. But then there comes a point where 
you have to get out of the starting blocks and, mm-hmm. and, and, and mobilize the church. So just tell us a little bit about what that process was like for y'all. Um, I would say it was a, you know, a, a big faith step. You know, it certainly took some time and investment on our part and others uh, to meet with judges and caseworkers and, and first kind of sell the idea to them and get their buy-in on what we were looking to do. Is this something that if we offered it, uh, you would give your parents credit for in terms of the, the list of requirements you you know require of them to go through and uh, meet what they need to get their kids back? So uh, you know we got that kind of initial buy-in and approval from a Travis County judge relatively quickly and easily, um, and then. Um, then it's you know beginning to build the volunteer army that, that we need and make mo- make no mistake, families count takes a volunteer army to, to run and so uh, you know it could be uh, you know a lot of people within your church or several churches that are needed to kind of pull together to, to pull this off. Um, talking to a lot of folks, uh, you know selling the vision, um, and uh, then at some point just saying all right, we've got. We've got the critical mass that we need to, to do this, we think. We've got the plan for how we're going to get the people who need to be gotten to the class there, we're, you know, how we're going to handle meals, who's going to teach, who are going to be our mentors, and let's set a date for the class, put it on the calendar, and start to tell the caseworkers that, it, that it's, uh, it's a go. And so uh, we did that. We probably, we probably planned for a good six to nine months, probably starting in uh, the summer of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started our first class then in spring of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and that honestly was, uh, I think, uh, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking what to expect, right? Who are, I think we might have had eight or ten referrals uh, of people to take the class, and maybe three or four showed up the first night. Uh, and uh, one or two showed up the next week. We, our first class was relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, a little concerned whether we'd bring it, have enough food or too much or too many volunteers, and would that, would that, would that upset people who volunteered and had their expectations that they were going to be doing this or that, and then we do, you know, we might need more of them or we might have too many. We ended up having too many people and too much food. I think our first few classes. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, it was just. Uh, a lot of just groundwork talking to people and uh, pick a date, leap out in faith and, and see what happens. And, you know, the first class was small but really sweet. Um, and we've seen it, you know, continue to build momentum as, we, as we've now hosted uh, two more classes since then. So over the last yeah. 12 months, last yeah. year, we've had three rounds of classes. And our, we think our reputation's our building. So yeah, and, and it's really cool to hear, you know, even to hear you talk about the, like, the army of people that yeah. have to come around to do this. And, and you know, we, we sort of joke when we talk about this. It takes it takes a few people who, who are really going to go pretty deep and, you know, get in pretty intensely. But then it takes a lot of people that are going to get in a little bit and, mm-hmm. and folks that are going to give, a, you know, a piece of themselves. And but, but all of that sort of adds up to this equation of the way the church is extending hospitality to these families. Mm-hmm. And the way that we're, the way that we're able to care for them, and so, um, what a, what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ to have people who are 
who are preparing meals and and serving meals to these families or are are doing child care for families so that they can take the classes and and be responsible and you know show child welfare authorities that they're being responsible in the way their kids are being taken care of or people that are providing transportation for folks that are you know many of them that that's a you know that's a huge struggle and and I think in our churches sometimes we like we don't see those things as gospel opportunities mm-hmm. um, but the truth is what what we see is when that army comes together that there's a there's a condition and an environment that's created for um, for the gospel to go forth and some of those people that are, you know, bringing a meal or, or or serving in a particular way, they may not sit down and like share the plan of salvation or or, or like walk somebody through, you know, what it means to, to have a relationship with Jesus. But um, they're certainly a part of the equation of an opportunity where week after week after week these families are hearing um, both about healthy family, but they're also hearing the gospel. I think one thing that um, has changed me and I believe has changed our church and those that have been involved is um, just the invitation that we've given to the church to be involved and um, just like these families that are coming to participate in the class they they need to know that they are loved by God that they are created in God's image that they are valued but the church you and I need to know that too mm-hmm. You and I need to be reminded over and over again that we do have something to give. And so I have seen over these last two classes in particular um, that this has been as much a blessing to the church as it has been a blessing to our families that are coming to take the class. And there there have just been doors opened and conversations that I've had with mentors encouraging them and affirming steps that they've taken with their parents um, and it's been it's been transformative for them and so it's been really sweet just to see that not only are these parents changing but the church is changing and we're changing the way that we see ourselves and we in our relationship with the Lord and just where our gifts and our strengths are and um, and that we're equipped, that we can do this, um, and that we have something to give. And I think one of the one of the really neat parts of of your story in particular is is the way that you've seen that sort of ripple out and have influence even even beyond your particular local church. Mm-hmm. And and so so obviously God has maybe not obviously, but to us because we know the story and because we're 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 in it and part of it, that God's done this this amazing thing at Christ Church and, and has has like risen the, the the church has risen up and, and has you know been involved in a lot of ways and and like you guys went through that scary moment that we all have that have done this where you do all the planning, you get all the people together, you set a date and it finally comes that day and you just kind of wonder if you're going to throw a party and nobody's going to show up. Yes. Right. Yes. And I will say, honestly, that has I, I, I'm the coordinator, so I deal with all those details. And for the last three classes and the only classes we've taught, every time I, I face that fear and I um, because it's a work of God, it is, you know, we we prepare and we plant and talk and share and but it's ultimately up to the Lord so it is 
But the crazy gift in it is that people keep showing up. People keep showing up. That the Lord keeps, you know, keeps bringing people, but then... And then they don't want to leave. Right! Which is the sweet (laughs) thing. You get to the end of that class, and and we've had parents say, we're not going to come back next Friday. Yeah. Uh, but what? A, but then, what an incredible opportunity to to invite them and say, "Well, well, no, maybe you're not going to come back next Friday, but how about Sunday? Mm-hmm. How about you know?" And and beginning to you know really to try to bridge them over into just the life and work of the church and and becoming you know part of the you know part of the body. Then, like, I'm excited for you guys to tell kind of the next chapter in the story that. Yeah. That it didn't stop with your church, yeah. that that it wasn't this sort of isolated movement of one local church, but that God has continued to to really ripple out from from that beginning, and now there are there are multiple churches in the Austin area, yeah. and so just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I will just start by saying, I have just had visions of many classes being hosted in Austin, and that families all over Austin, north, south, east, and west, have access to these classes. And so um, it kind of, you know, it it started from there, but it also started um, just more on a practical level. We needed more, that army needed to grow. We needed more help. And, um, And Austin takes care of the orphaned. I mean, they um, there's lots of churches in Austin that are involved in foster care and orphan care. And and so we knew that there were families and churches that love birth families. And so we, we didn't want to keep this a secret. Um, and um, we also saw this great need for more of the church to be involved in these families' lives, to support them, to encourage them, to have a a, land, a place to land and um, families to come around them. So, yeah. so I think that's. I, I was gonna, just going to break in and say I really think that's important to to say because we really do believe this is a ministry of the church, mm-hmm. and and that's that's a big conviction of Lifelines that we Lifeline wants to be the the enabler. We you know we all the time talk about ourselves in in terms of being a bridesmaid to the bride of Christ, and 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 that local churches would be. The ones who would who would really carry off this ministry, and because that's that's the mechanism by which you know that that the Lord has given us to to proffer the gospel. But I think it's such a neat picture of that sense when we're saying local church, when we're saying the body of Christ, we're not talking exclusively about like one church, one building, one people, one name. That that in in that spirit, you've you've united multiple local yeah. churches together who are on mission and discipling people and active and it's just so neat to see the way that that's that's you yeah. know, begun to come together yeah in any you know probably in the last couple rounds of classes that we've run um probably half or maybe a little bit more of the volunteers have come from our church christ church but then we have probably another four or five churches who are supplying uh, either meals or vol- volunteers to help mentor or provide childcare. So we've, you know, we're drawing from a number of other churches. And the beautiful thing about that one is it helps us just pull the ministry off. Um, but it also, um, you know, we we think we're planting seeds for those other churches to eventually start, um, you know, running this in, independently and individually in their church as well. Um, one. 
one thing we quickly you know became aware of as we met with some of the state workers caseworkers is just the the need for spanish-speaking classes and um, so you know in the process of networking with different church leaders we connected with a, a church in in austin uh, who will be launching uh, a spanish-speaking version of, of families count here this fall so we're very excited to to work with them and tanya and i have gotten to know the pastor and the and the the ministry leaders there and they've been coming in observing helping serve through our classes that we've been offering at christ church and uh it'd just be exciting to see what they do as they take off with this as well it's really been fun we're whenever whatever time you happen to be listening to this we're actually recording this during a, a families count training conference and so we're we're blessed to have a lot of people here including uh, that spanish congregation is represented here and being trained and so we've sort of walked around all, all you know the last couple of days feeling like really proud proud grandparents because yeah. we feel like you guys are the parents right like you've you've helped to to, to bring this church in and to see this you know this new thing birthed and and we're just the people that are running around showing pictures and acting like we really had more to do with it than well let me tell you what was exciting to us rick was we were we had a little prayer time uh some of the texas folks here with some of the florida folks and uh of course as most people probably wear just like there's a large spanish-speaking population in texas there is in florida so so the work that nueva vida has done to translate the curriculum is going to quickly i'm sure be taken up in florida and, and applied there as well so It'll be exciting to see that happen too. It's amazing, so. and we're we're just incredibly thankful for the way that the Lord has has continued to move, the opportunities that He's created. Let me ask you one kind of one final question: um, If there's somebody out there that's listening to this podcast and um, like their hearts have really been, you know, really been moved, um, and and they they're maybe they're ready to pray about Lord, could you use me in this way in families count? Um, what would you guys say to him? Uh, well, I would say, without hesitation, without even having to think much about it, I'd say probably yes. I mean, I'm not the Lord, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but yeah, we can always put you to work. Um, you know, if if your thought is maybe you at your church want to start this, and are you capable of doing it, I would say probably. Um I think I would say the same thing that's kind of the subject of one of the lessons we teach our parents, and that is you have strengths. Your church has strengths. You don't have all the strengths probably, but you got some. Um, so let's figure out what those are because you can deploy those in a way that's going to really meet a need here. We're at a great um, area of need here with these families in crisis. Let's figure out what those strengths are. You're going to have things that maybe you don't do well. That's okay. You can jump into the battle and uh, begin making progress and figure out the things that you need to shore up as you go, but you lead with your strengths um, and potentially pull in partner churches who, uh, you know, can enlist their strengths to help you. So, How about it, Tanya? I would say I would ask can you be a friend? Has God called you to be a friend? Um, because there are families who need a friend. And I think, um, I think all of us can answer that yes, God's calling us to be a friend to another. And, um, and that's what this is. Um, it's messy. Um, 
but it's more beautiful than it is messy. Um, but we have the privilege of, the church has the privilege of having lots of friends and lots of connections and these families, they are surrounded by relational poverty. Um, they have not only, you know, economically, you know, impoverished, but relationally impoverished and we can be a friend. The church can be a friend. And so I'm not sure what it looks like for everyone because it's different. Um, but that would be my challenge. And, um, I'm not much of a historian. I wouldn't claim to be, but I, I look across the history of the world and I see, I think some of the, the biggest, the biggest problems that the world has ever faced at different points in time. Often it was the church that rose up in the power of the gospel and in the spirit of Christ and somehow just crushed that problem. So you know, think about, um, you think about the, um, the widespread the spread of mass literacy. Thank you, Johann Gutenberg. Right? You think about um, slavery, the abolitionists. You think about um, <clears throat> you think about uh, civil rights here in the South. Um, you think about uh, genocide. Hello, Rwanda. Need some gospel? Um, just uh, great transformations in our culture and civiliz civilization have often been just the, the work of the people of God standing up and holding out the gospel and love and grace to to people who needed it. And, you know, maybe we're in the midst of our own little gospel movement right here with Families Count. And all of those things happening in in very unlikely ways with very unlikely people. Yes. And I think what we what we've come to know about Families Count is there's this there's this unexpected opportunity in the system. Um, something that, that really many people in the system, this parenting training, like they see it as almost a throwaway. It's almost a, like it, it's one of those things that never works. But when, when the church engages the way the church does and the church brings the gospel to bear, which is really all we have to deliver, mm -hmm. um, that, that we've seen the Lord take um, what is a paradox and, and, and produce something, something amazing. Well, thanks, Dr. Rick, and thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.